Well, today I was walking my dog and just minding my own business. When out from nowhere comes this guy who has been obviously up to no good and is clearly demonized. And he comes up to me and he gets all mad because I'm looking at him. And at first I start to go along with things in the same spirit in my reactions. But shortly after I change the way I approach him and take authority against his demons in the name of Jesus. Guess what happens after that? Stay tuned, and you'll hear the rest of this story and more on today's episode of Kingdom Voices Revealed. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Kingdom Voices Revealed. This is a podcast series where our heart is to impart, reveal, and help you discover how to activate your kingdom voice, identity, gifts, and callings. New episodes will be released every Friday. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Kingdom Voices Revealed. I'm your host, EJ, and today we will be continuing in on our sub-series, if you will, on identity. And today we will be talking about a really, really significant issue that's near to my heart and I feel will encourage all of you in our discovery of our identity in Christ. We will be talking about our authority in Christ and how we go about discovering it in that journey of discovery. So today's episode is called Dimensional Glory, Our Heavenly Authority Through Transformation. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, well, why would you say dimensional? Did you say dimensional? And the answer is yes, I did say dimensional. And what I'm meaning by that is that we are, and I've said this in previous episodes, if you listened in before on identity, that we're made up out of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. But just like we're made up of three parts, and so is God made up of three parts, that being the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and we're made in his image. In the same way, there's also threes within the dimensions of the spiritual realms, if you will. All right? So there's this one we're in, which we tend to call a physical realm. And then there's another realm, which we would call the mid-heavens. Some people call it the second heaven. And scripturally, it's called the mid-heavens. But we tend to call it the second heaven because we then describe the third one, which is called the third heaven. And that is typically what people think of heaven. When you die to go be with Jesus eternally, you go to heaven. But that's the third heaven. And by the way, that's scripturally where it says Paul said he was caught up in the third heavens. So people naturally conclude that, therefore, if we are in the third heaven, and then we're describing that as, you know, what we say is heaven, like going to be eternally with Jesus, then the other two dimensions are naturally the second heaven and the first heaven. All right, the first heaven being the physical one that we're in now and the spiritual components of it, if you will. So the first heaven would be more typically described as the celestial. So like in space and the firmament around this earth, if you will, the cosmos, the things we see in the stars, the skies, the air, that's all the first heaven. So not just the earth, but the dimensional realm in which we see now, scientifically speaking, when we talk about the realms, this is also backed up by science because scientists know and have discovered things about what they believe is the multiverse, being that there are multiple dimensions and different realms within the scientific community. And they understand this, and this backs things up. So quantum physics understands this concept. Scripturally, we know of it as the first heavens, the second heavens, or the mid-heavens, and the third heavens. So when I said dimensional glory, that's where I meant. That being that we are a being that is living within more than one dimension. And you're thinking, well, how is that scriptural? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Bear with me. What I will say is, again, body, soul, and spirit. So our bodies are in this dimension within the first heavens. Physical. Our soul it overlaps. It's connected into the mid-heavens. And our spirit, when we are a new creation in Christ, is seated in heavenly places. And that's where we're going today, is that part, that dimensional glory. Because I believe that if we're talking about spiritual warfare, 
We're talking about things like dealing with angels and demons and our identity in Christ. We need to understand that part. And we need to understand who we are when we accept Christ, that we are now seated in heavenly places. And we need to live from that reality of our authority and use that when we are acting in spiritual warfare or bringing heaven to earth in atmospheres, so to speak. We are here to change atmospheres, and I believe I spoke a bit about that previously in the first episode, that I myself have seen that as I experience God and He changes who I am, it changes people around me, changes atmospheres. And so as we discover ourselves, who we are in the heavenlies, that will translate to the world around us here in this realm, in the second heavens. What happens in the third heavens affects the other one. Our spirit is seated in heavenly places, and it changes how all the other dimensions or realms, if you will, are affected. And we need to live out of that reality to really see that the light always outshines the darkness, that that understanding translates into a greater authority. God is greater, and God shining in you is greater, and that's what we're going to talk about. And so with that, we're in a journey today of talking about heavenly authority through transformation. And that's why I call it dimensional glory. So without further ado, after explaining all that, let's get right into it, shall we? Now today, I'm going to be referring a lot to some of the stories of Moses' life. So I'm going to use some examples from his life. We're going to look at that. And then connect that in with Jesus and in the New Testament. And this is going to be amazing. You're going to love this. I certainly love talking about this. So we're going to talk more about that. And so my heart for you is as we go forward that you will feel the Lord's impartation of this revelation. So I'm going to pray now. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share all about how your glory in our lives and through us that changes us, then it changes our perspectives and it brings about a greater realization of our authority. And that transformational process brings about a greater awareness of our authority. There is a dimensional or transdimensional glory that you want to establish in our lives. So, Lord, I just ask you right now as we continue to discuss this subject that every listener would feel the impartation of your power, uh, this revelation that you want to share with us today. And I ask you that you would fill us with the revelation of the knowledge of you. Lord, I ask you for that today that you'd fill us with the revelation of the knowledge of you, that we would understand how much you change us, change our paradigms, change our perspective, and that as we change in that, it then shines forth and changes the world around us, both in our physical dimension and that which we don't see. Lord, we ask you for that today, and we impart that today as we go. We ask you for your impartation in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, as we do it, that you would activate our spirits into this reality in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to continue now. All right, so I'm talking about the life of Moses. And, you know, this is really interesting because as we read about his life, we can really get a picture of the life of somebody who was continually transformed by God's glory. All right, so we're going to look into that now. So we're going to start with in Exodus 33, verse 18 to 23. So if you've got your Bibles, you can read in there. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. All right, so verse 18. Then Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I am gracious and show compassion to whom I show compassion. He further said, You cannot see my face, for mankind will not see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and I will come about while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. 
Now, as I'm reading it, so this is one of the greatest encounters we witnessed that Moses has with God. And it's amazing because you really get this glimpse of like, this is almost like a foreshadowing of Jesus. So this is God, but it is very much, uh, if you read other translations, I believe it speaks of this as like the angel of the Lord. So this angel of the Lord that they talk about in the Old Testament seems to be like it's this appearance of or apparition of what is going to be Jesus. And that is at least my take on that. And it makes sense if you bear with it. But you say, well, why would that be if it says that if he sees his face, he'll die? Well, that's how it is in the Old Covenant, all right, based off of the current customs that are being implemented right around here at this point through the Ten Commandments. They're being made. God's making them right around this time frame here we're reading. And as he's doing it, Moses is encountering God on Mount Sinai. But what's amazing is at the time, there was the Old Covenant, and the Old Covenant was for blood. I shall require blood. And there was this thing of as people committed sin, they needed something to atone their sins. And they needed something to break the power of that, at least enough to sustain them, all right? Until Jesus came in the new covenant and that was established. And if you read at this time, like no one could even be near God without dying. But for Moses, it was this thing of he couldn't see his face or he might die. And what's amazing is that after what Christ did, and he atoned us fully, once and for all, for those who accept him, he has now given a way for us to enter into his holy place, and for us to encounter him and see his face and not die. Now, do all of us who have encounters of this level, first of all, do we have them? No, but for those who do, do they see his face? A lot of times when people give testimonies about it, actually they say they didn't see his face, because... What it says is in the New Testament, the thing that his face outshines the brightest sun. So his face is so bright and glorious you couldn't. But would you live? Yeah. Crazy. And that's what Jesus does is he's made a way for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and not die. That's the magnitude of his power. And this is what Moses gets to encounter. And no one else, no one else in his time is able to experience God in this way. He passes by, and Moses hides in a cleft of rock, and he gets to see his back. Now, again, why I said it's like Jesus, because there's a physical appearance, that is the Son. That is the Word. That is who would become Jesus. Jesus was the name given to him when he was on the earth. The Son. This is the Son. All right? And this is what Moses is experiencing. All right. Enough said about that. That was this amazing encounter, and it changed his life like for the ordinary. Now, he's already been wrecked by God. Remember that previous to this, he's already experienced the burning bush. All right, moving on. So now I'm going to read in Exodus 34, verse 28 to 31. Okay, verse 28. So he was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand. He was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to approach him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all of the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. So we see a situation where Moses comes down from the mountain, right? And it's amazing because you can tell that by this point, it being the fact that it's Exodus 34, whereas before it was 33, like just a chapter away, and already Moses has been doing this for a while, and he is being changed by God's presence, his manifest presence. Yeah, manifest presence. Yes, God is omnipresent, but we're talking about where you use a concentrated amount of his presence. He is clearly right there. And so he's being changed by that. And as he's going up and down, coming down, and every time he comes down, he's now showing more signs of something's different about him. And that his face is shining with God's glory. And it's amazing because if you read on, it talks about the fact that he needed to have a veil to cover his face because it was shining with so much glory. 
it was almost overwhelming to everyone around him how much he shone with his glory. It says, Aaron and all the sons of Israel, they saw him, right? And the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to approach him. That's crazy. Like, they're in awe, they're in reverence, and they're too overwhelmed to even approach him. Right, so what's happening here is Moses being changed by God, but at the same time, these people are still living in their carnality. There's a gap between them and him, and they're feeling this place of overwhelmed about themselves. They are trembling at the Lord's work through Moses. And I've heard some interesting thoughts about this too, and I want to talk a bit about that for a second, but there are stories about people experiencing tangible evidence of God's presence in places like stories where people say they've seen gold dust become evident in a place. Some think that it's not always real. That's another topic for another time. But there are times, I believe, where it was real that the trace of God's presence leaves things like residue, a gold dust residue, crazy things and I've had discussions with somebody about this where it would seem that when this happens, it almost changes their composition. It's like in their sweat, it shines and glimmers like gold. I don't understand this, but I've heard this. I've heard that there are actually people who were scientists who went to places where people were reporting about this stuff. And they said that when they went there, that's basically what they were describing they saw. That it was something where it was residue of skin, but it was transformed to this gold-like substance. And no one could figure it out. All right, it's a controversial thing, and we will revisit this. I'm not going to get into today about what's fake and what's real and all that, but if you believe this, you will understand this. And I'm just saying that if we even just isolate this to our Bibles, we can clearly see that at least at that time, something was very different about Moses. When he came down from the mountain, his face shone, it was transformed, it resembled God's glory, and there was a change, physical change, so much so that the magnitude of God's power that was present through him was something that made everyone else tremble and be in reverence and in awe. That's something that is beyond words. But we know that scripturally, the Bible also says that Moses was the humblest man on the earth at the time. God chose to work through him, and he honored Moses. Now, Moses at that point is clearly showing the sign of he is being changed by God's presence. But it wasn't always like this. It started from somewhere. When Moses first experienced this, if we read earlier on in Exodus, we can see that in fact before it was like a whole new thing for him but somehow he got wrecked by God's presence and that's what changed him but where did it all start well before he went up to a mountain in the beginning of all this he went up to a mountain and he experienced a burning bush all right so we're going to read that now and we're going to see the difference here in a second so I'm reading from Exodus 3 verse 3 to 6 all right now verse 3 so Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burning up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. All right, so notice the transition here, because at this point, this is after Moses had been in the wilderness, before he took all the Israelites out of captivity. This is when he left for the wilderness because he had just killed someone, all right? And he's been there for a while. He's been living amongst the people of Midian. And now he's managing a flock of sheep. And all of a sudden he sees this bush burning in the mountain. He goes up to see it where God's glory and his presence is residing at the time. This is all new to him. And, of course, the Lord's telling him, all right, remove your sandals from your feet and your sandals, of course, because they're treading around on ground that's not clean. And there's a bit of this, I guess, foreshadowing here with the cleanliness and all that stuff. He says, this is like symbolically speaking, this is holy ground. So remove your sandals. And he wants him to walk on it. But he's also giving an opportunity for him to receive from that. Wow, that's amazing. 
But so he's walking on it, and then the Lord, he's talking to me, saying, I am, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, of your forefathers, right? And so this is where we hear about, behold, I am, is talked about in this passage, Yahweh, right? And so what's interesting is, again, that Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, remember what happened later on? We already read about this in Exodus 33, where he actually wanted him to show him his face and his glory. But in this passage, he's afraid to look at God. All right? So there's a difference between this part and later on. And we can clearly see that the more he spent time with God, the more it changed him and transformed him. In the beginning, he was timid and afraid. Then he later on said, yeah, I can't even speak. If I'm going to go back to Egypt, I need Aaron to come with me and speak with me. And so he's timid. He's also ashamed of what he did because he just killed a man. And now he is just feeling unworthy, all right? But yet somehow God wants him to remove his sandals and stand on this holy ground in reverence, but also in exchange, he's receiving from God's glory. And it's changing him already. And he's showing him, this is, I am me. I am God. Behold, right? And what's interesting is, yeah, again, he doesn't feel the worthiness to look at God. And we can see later on, he is being so much changed that he's getting closer and closer to God, right? On holy ground in his presence to where he wants to look at him. So something changed there. All right, now to make note of this too, he's looking at a burning bush. Now this burning bush is a foreshadowing and symbolism of consecration, sanctification by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see this in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit comes on everyone at Pentecost and there are small tongues of fire on everyone's head. Now, this is a foreshadowing, I believe, of that. And that basically God is showing him this thing about partaking in the Lord's presence, about burning but not being burnt up, not being utterly consumed and destroyed. And that's where he's seeing this thing about, that's at least what I've heard before, that he's looking at this and seeing this phenomenon of this bush that won't burn up, but is burning. He's beholding a, this concentrated manifest presence of God's presence, and it's like fire. And he's taken back by it. But what it's showing is, yes, this is something, Moses, you can experience. You can experience this, and you will not burn up. That is where we're going, is that the presence of God is what is changing us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, as the word says, from glory to glory, from strength to strength, it's taking us from one place of utter devastation, woe is me, of feeling unworthy, of feeling all these things, of not being worthy, but Jesus changes us somehow in the process and transforms us into his likeness to where we are wanting to go closer and closer and closer with God. God ruining us for the ordinary, changing what's there until we are consumed by his presence. That's where we want to be. And we're going to continue to discuss that. But this now brings me to, I have three points I'm making in this edition. Yeah, I don't tend to do three-point messages, but this time, that's where it's going. So my first thing is I'm going to talk about in this transformational process is our eyes. We're talking about God's glory and what changes us. It happens through our eyes, right? So number one, through our eyes. They are gateways for light or darkness. Your eyes can hold your testimony and either authority or bondage in them. All right, Matthew 6, 22 to 23, it says, The eye is a lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is in darkness, how great is that darkness? And just to give you an idea of understanding this concept... We read in passages of scriptures about different angels, and one type of angel that's recorded are some of the angels that are always the closest to Jesus in his throne room in heaven, and that is the seraphim. And the seraphim are covered in eyes, always looking at him. It says their wings and everywhere about them has eyes. They're covered in eyes. These seraphim are described as the burning ones. They are burning bright fire. And it describes that these angels that surround his throne, cherubim along with the seraphim, 
and the four living creatures always singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're always saying that over and over again. And remember, they're covered in eyes. What does that mean? It means they behold His greatness, and they're always looking at it. All right? We'll get to that later, but the point I'm making is that their eyes are lamps. Their eyes behold His greatness. That's how it is in the heaven. They are beholding His greatness. And we have to understand that where we are, if we're not in the light, we're beholding darkness. But when God changes us, He changes us into beholding the light and the greatness of Him to be like burning ones of His glory. No, we're not seraphim, but yet God chooses somehow for us to be co-heirs. So, of course, we're going to resemble that glory where we're going. And according to Scripture, our spirits are already seated in heavenly places. Our spirits somehow dimensionally are already there. And that's where we're going with this. That somehow in the heavenly places, in the third heavens, we are already beholding God's glory in the heavenlies. And yet, we're also here, physically, in our bodies. Crazy. Somehow, there are dimensions that are overlapping. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I'm just kind of giving you foreshadowing. Again, back to the eyes. The eyes. Behold His holiness, His greatness. All right? Now, God is holy. What does that mean? Well, in some translations, it says hallowed, holy. There is nothing like Him. He is different. He is not altogether like us. All right? That's God and His greatness. But somehow, we can become co-heirs as we allow Christ to adopt us into Him. But we were born into this world. We're born into depravity and sin, and we are not like Him. We are born into a fallen world. We're carnal. We're all these things. And God gives us a way, an opportunity to be adopted into this reality. And when we are, when we are born again, we are regenerated because now we come alive in our spirits and they are seated in heavenly places. Now, back to this thing about our eyes. They are gateways. And depending on where we are spiritually will determine what gateways we are beholding spiritually. So if we are living carnally, we're in bondage and we're going to behold darkness, demons, sin, evil. If we are in the light, we are going to behold God's greatness, His power, His authority, His fire, the light. All these things, we are going to behold His glory. And that is going to be what transforms us ultimately. Ultimately, that will transform us into more of His likeness. And this reality could not be more clear than this story I'm about to give you. And I have many stories about this, but... What was amazing is the Lord gave me this episode to share for quite some time, but I didn't know how I was going to go about it. And I went through a lot of things and just was waiting, waiting, waiting for it to become clear how to share it. And then all of a sudden, this one situation occurs and everything becomes real for me to where I'm now able to share it with this one experience. So what happened was today I was out walking my dog and my dog is amazing because she can she can sense evil. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but she does. And she can tell when there's things approaching that are not right. In the spiritual realm, she can notice something. And I don't know how that works, but it's a mystery, but it's amazing. And just through this one situation, I'm telling you. And by the way, scripturally, if you want that, go look at Jehu and his confrontation with Jezebel and the dogs of Jezreel. So anyway, I'm walking my dog, and out from nowhere comes this guy who you could tell was in complete bondage, was extremely demonized, and he is obviously in some sort of crime activity, assuming he was probably into drug trafficking or something like that. And somehow I'm in his, I guess, area where he thinks he's going to use for trading, and he's so annoyed. I just looking around at what's going on, it didn't clue into me until later, but I'm just looking. And this normally doesn't happen to where I get this reaction in my area, but this guy did. And probably because he was going to be up to no good and I was somehow affecting what he wanted to do. And it's been a long time since this has happened, but this is crazy. So anyway, he basically starts reacting and starts to say, 
what are you staring at? What are you looking at? Quit looking at me. Things like that. So at first, I kind of just respond the way anyone would. You know, things like, well, it's a free country. What are you going to do about it? Kind of thing, right? Uh, He's getting more riled up more and more and more. Starts mouthing stuff off. And I don't know. It just kind of went back and forth a bit, honestly. But somehow... The Lord was with me and really calmed me through it. He was trying to throw empty threats at me at one point. And I was like, whatever, I'm not really scared. At that point, certain point there, he keeps coming back and forth. And he comes back, gets close to me. And and something rose up in me that it felt like, I guess, the Lord really took over the situation somehow and started prompting me what to do. And I look at him with my eyes. And then at the moment I said, in the name of Jesus, I bind you demons and I command you to get out of here paraphrasing, but basically that was the gist of it. I bound them up and commanded them to leave. And then what was interesting was the response next. I was so taken back by it, I don't even know what to think. But he then looks at me. This is obviously him and his demons, right? They're riled up too. And it's all cluing in now. (laughs) And then they say to me, yeah, we're demons, or yeah, I'm a demon, or whatever. The one that was talking, right? I'm a demon and I'm, I don't know, something else, blah, 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 whatever it was. And then I said, yes, I know that's what you are and you're going to leave. Then I think at this moment it was the guy talking and he says, yeah, I was baptized once and I'm doomed or something like that. And then it became clear there was a tension in there and that was probably the guy telling me the truth right there. He was baptized and thought he was doomed. So these things are really raging in him trying to trip me up and I'm not letting them basically. And so at that point, then I just continued. I said, something rose up in me. I was like, and you are not welcome here and you are going to leave. We do not want you here. And I was basically standing in the gap for the entire neighborhood, pretty much, in this complex of apartments. So it was interesting because clearly this is some interesting demons here. And they're clearly there because he confirmed it. And they couldn't do nothing when I bound them up. And these things were, I'm going to assume they are territorial, along with being wicked spirits. And they're trying to somehow use him to try and intimidate me and shake me because of the fact that they're threatened by what's in me. And it's all cluing in afterwards. And what it is, is, you see, they can see the light. They can see what's inside of us. And they were seeing that in me and they didn't like that I was looking at them. And that I was busting their quote-unquote mojo from doing their business, quote-unquote. And I was interfering with that. Me and my dog, because they in him also made threats about my dog too. Now, I'm going to bust you up and I'm going to blah, blah, blah at one point before I bound it up. And somehow I was just not letting it phase me around me. Like for a bit I was shaking a little bit and then all of a sudden I just became strengthened by the Lord's presence. Anyway, for whatever reason... They were terrified, and they did not want to get him to do anything to me. And I don't know, like, what if it happened if I wasn't doing things God's ways? I don't know. But all I know is that they couldn't. And so this is, this going forward, I'm sharing you the story again, like I said, God's presence is the one doing this stuff. You know, it's the authority of Christ. And But what I'm saying right now, through this point I'm making, is that through our eyes, they are gateways. And in his eyes, they were gateways to darkness. And you could see it very clearly. A lot of darkness in his eyes, surrounding his eyes. They were gateways. And that's the gateways into his own soul that these demons were there. And they did not like it when I looked at him because the light was in me. When I do deliverances, I also do, I make sure to look at the person. And I ask them to look at me because I know that the authority of Christ commands demons to do things. For whatever reason, when they looked at me, my eyes were locked in and I was able to, with Christ's authority, tell them to leave. And they obeyed. This is a new thing for me. It was like the movie, if you've ever seen it, War Room was flashing before my eyes the scene where the woman tells the guy who's going to mug them in this scene and she says in the name of Jesus, you'll put the knife down and leap. And that happened. And somehow that situation came over me, almost like that whole recollection came about and I was doing that all of a sudden. Some of you are thinking about Star Wars and how the Jedi plays a little mind trick and they say, like, Ray is telling the stormtroopers you're going to put down your blaster and leave. And I'm going to put down my blaster and leave. Well, crazy thing is that actually this is better than Jedi mind tricks because we're not playing tricks and we're not doing hypnosis or controlling them. That's how it is in the darkness. But in the light, we're just doing things under Christ's authority. I cannot do anything without that. 
something prompted me in my spirit and awakened me to that reality to do that immediately. See, the Son of Man can do nothing but only what he sees the Father do. I can only do what I see God doing. And if I did not, I could not have done it. It might have not been safe. But in that moment, something rose up in me. It was like a righteous indignation. And I just commanding those things to take that man and leave. And they listened to me that I overstepped my place. I don't believe I did because I wasn't trying to cast the demons out of someone who didn't want them out. I wasn't doing anything beyond that. Only binding their ability to do anything so long enough for them to leave. And he did. The authority of Jesus is powerful. The name of Jesus and his presence, it just makes these things freak out and want to leave. And what I'm saying right now is that our eyes are a lamp also. And women are living in righteousness. See, that's what they're seeing. They're seeing our spirit seated in heavenly places. And it freaks them out. Remember what I read earlier about when Moses came down from the mountain? His face shone and it freaked all of them out and it scared them. Well, this is like that. God's presence. He even scared Moses in the beginning, and God changed him. And then he was revealing the reverence and awe of God to others when he came down from mountain. Sometimes when we do that, sometimes it looks like us taking our dogs out of our houses long enough to come out of our places where God's transforming us, and then others witnessing it, and them being scared by what God's doing. I'm not saying God's about scaring people. No, we're talking the fear of the Lord. Very different. But it does give the awestruck reality of who God is in his glory and what it does and how much the light is greater than the darkness. Amen? And so that's what it is. Not enough said about that. All right. So I'm going to continue on. And I'm going to read now a passage from the New Testament. And remember what I talked about Moses earlier. All right. Now we're going to connect it together. All right, now I'm reading Matthew 17, verse 1 to 8 in NASB. Verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun. And his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter responded and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you want, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Yeah, just listen to him only. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. Remember that reverence and that fear of the Lord? There it is. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. And raising their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Poof! Notice the others disappeared, <laughs> but they were there before. So for a moment, they saw this fullness of this glimpse of the heavenlies. Now, this is called the Transfiguration, and this is where Jesus is taking some of his closest disciples with him to this mountain. I remember the mountain thing earlier, where God's manifest presence tends to be strong on these mountaintop experiences, these places where his glory is very strong. And here it is again. And behold, he saw Elijah and Moses. But notice that it also talked about they are with him, right? His garments became white as light. So Jesus' garments look different here in this mountain. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. All right, so they notice that they're with him. And then there's a bright cloud overshadowing them where the father is speaking through it to them to say, this is my son, just listen to him. In other words, don't make these tabernacles for these two others, just, just my son. And so you can see that it's all about Jesus. That's what he's trying to make clear. And not only that, we can see his elements of a new covenant here because it says, do not be afraid, right? And then raising their eyes, they saw just Jesus, all right? But what is this all about? Well, it's showing that these other two have become transformed by his glory as well. These are, and it's basically showing 
hey, you're going to behold these great things too. And we know that because later on, the Apostle John also goes on to live the longest, endure the most out of all the men. He actually, they tried to kill him several times and they can't kill him, the Romans. They try to boil him in oil and he won't die. So we know this, that this is later shown with the disciples as well, and especially with the Apostle John. And through that, that's when he writes the book of Revelation in his time in the Isle of Patmos. But what's interesting is you can see this beholding of God's glory, and they're all learning about it now, and they're all learning about it according to the new covenant. Just look at Jesus. Just fix your eyes on him, basically. All this is possible. Just listen to him. Just look at him. Just behold him. And it even says, behold When something says, behold, in the passage of Scripture, it's like, this is something God really wants you to hear. And it's, again, we've been talking about beholding his glory. And here they are, beholding his glory. And you can see it's changing everyone around him. And not only that, but when he's in the mountain of transfiguration, they see Jesus in the Spirit. And they see him for who he really is. And they see these other two. You're seeing a dimensional place where basically the heavenlies are revealed and they're overlapping with this physical realm. And that's what this transfiguration is. They're seeing it all happen before their eyes. And there, in this porthole to the heavenlies, if you will, they're seeing that. There's Moses, and here's Elijah. And all of a sudden, poof, back to the way it was, and there's just Jesus. But the thing is, for a bit, they saw him in his fullness of his glory. They saw Moses and Elijah. Now, some think that in the book of Revelation, when it talks about the two witnesses, that later these two witnesses, they will turn out to be Moses and Elijah, and they will come back to bring witness to the people in the later later times, and right around when the Antichrist comes on the scene and, and the false prophet now, around that time, whether before or after. But the point is that some think that it is Moses and Elijah, all right? But what I want to leave you with is this thing of, like you can see, where both Elijah and Moses are in that transfiguration. And there they are, just like we talked about. Beholding his glory has changed them completely. And the disciples are getting a glimpse of this. And we know later on, of course, that's going to also bear evidence in John and various disciples. This brings me to the second point, which is, you become what you behold. Remember I said, behold, right? The more you encounter Jesus, the more he changes you. Yeah, the more you encounter Jesus, the more he changes you. All right, Corey Russell says, Meditation on my position changes my condition. This is very true, that the more God changes you, the more your conditions around you change. And that's being that the more you understand the truth of who you are, who Christ is, the more that changes you the more that changes others around you. It changes atmospheres. It changes things dimensionally. There's a dimensional glory as you behold who you are in Christ. All right? Luke 24, verse 28 to 33. And some will know this story. This is the road to Emmaus. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but basically this is the passage where Jesus is walking along the road and there's some other people going along too. And so let's read in what happens here in verse 28. And they approached the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. And so they strongly urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And it came about when he had reclined at the table with them, and he took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it and began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. He vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were our hearts not burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scripture to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them. Notice what happened here. Remember what I said earlier? That the more you encounter Jesus, the more he changes you. Were our hearts not burning when he was with us? Right? Remember about the burning bush? Right? Now we're talking about the Holy Spirit bearing witness. It's a new covenant. He's burning. And we're all living. We're still alive. And our hearts are burning, yearning for more of him, longing for more of him. It's making us want more of him. It's making us want to do good because of what he has done. It's changing us. Or our heart's not burning. Did it not change us? Did it not encounter us? Burning. A synergy together, experiencing the same thing, wanting more of that. 
that synergistic, pure, holy righteousness, that yearning for more of God, that desire for more of Him, that whatever you fill in the blanks, it's a holy reverence and an awestruck moment. And they're saying, well, our heart's not burning. We want more of Him. We really do. Like that song says, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you. There's a fire shot up in my bones. And here we are. They are saying, yeah, well, our heart's not burning. Longing. There's a longing, a desire more of that. It's the Holy Spirit working in their hearts for more of Him. Meditation on our position changes our condition. And that starts with encountering Jesus. He changes everything in us. What does this do for us? It transforms us by experiencing and encountering Him and His glory. This brings me to the third point, And in a way, sums it all together. The scripture I've read before, which is, you are a new creation in Christ. Right? This is the third point, but it's also very much a concluding matter. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away, and the new things have come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. You're not who you were anymore. Christ did it. Make sure to understand this. It's not about you trying to change yourself. See, this is Christianity. Real Christianity is a relationship with Jesus. It's about this faith, putting it in him. It's all those things. And it's not about religion. It's not about performance. And it's not about self-help, which our world is really into now. It's not about what you can do for yourself. It's not about your works. Your works are only a reflection of what God is doing in you. No, being a new creation in Christ means that he transforms you into his likeness in your spirit. And as you do that, there's a transformation that occurs and your spirit starts to become alive. You experience him in your spirit and that changes everything around you as he changes it. We're in journey in this life. It's a betrothal. It's an arrangement for marriage and he's changing us to be ready to be with him. He's transforming us into his holiness and his likeness. We're nothing without him, but he is bringing us into that likeness, transforming us to be a co-heir with Christ. And in this process, we're enduring that transformation that's taking place. When we, of course, become a new creation of Christ, there's already transformation, but it's from glory to glory. It gets better and better and better. And we go through hardship and all that, of course, but in the end, it's God that's revealing it, and it's wonderful, and it changes atmospheres, it changes everything, because it's changing things dimensionally. And although we can't see it, we don't all see it unless maybe you have a seer gift, but that's another thing for another time. The thing is, in this first heaven, this dimension, we can't see it, but we are also seated in the third heavens already because we receive Christ. When we do, when we receive Christ, I believe we are also seated in that third heaven. And somehow, if we could only see it for a glimpse, like these people saw, we would see a transfiguration. We would see, and no, I'm not saying anything blasphemous here. It's all Christ. But we would see all of that. We'd see ourselves seated there. Really inspirational, but there's a great video that was released on YouTube while, like, I don't know how many years back. And although it's kind of twinky with the animations, it's really profound. And in this video, it shows how we look in this world and how we look in the spiritual world, it says. And it shows a person walking along in this world, and they look like just an ordinary guy walking along. And they show them in the spiritual world, and they show how there's demons, and they're near other people. And this person who's walking along is in his armor, and he's carrying along his sword and his armor, and he's clearly on fire for God. And then it shows another scene of his church, and the church is on fire, like the fire of the Holy Spirit and not burning up and it's changing the community. And then it shows a scene where he's going into his house and there's angels in his house guarding his family and he has authority over his family. And the point I'm making is like, if we could only see for a glimpse, we would see incredible things. I think of also in the story of Elisha when he had the school of the prophets and they're being surrounded by armies who want to kill them. His disciples are like saying to him, what are we going to do? We're being surrounded by the armies of Aram. And Elisha prays and he says, Lord, open his eyes. And his eyes are open and he sees all these angels surrounding there. And then the armies are surrounding him. And he was showing him that there's more for them than are against them. And guess what happened? Well, they live to tell another day. 
and it was clear that God was there. Another song, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I find my battles. So we've got to live out of that reality that God is the one who does this. He changes us. But when we do that, we also understand our authority and we can live out the life we're living so much better and it will change things around us. It will cause demons and people to flee because they can't deal with this. I have so many stories of it. I have stories of reading the Bible with people in the red light district area of Perth, Australia, and we watch prostitutes not be able to do their business, and they walk away because we're reading the Word. It changes everything, changes atmospheres. And hopefully we'll revisit this thing about atmospheres and all that. But what I want to leave you with is this thing about the fact that God's glory changes us from the inside out. It renews us. It regenerates us, if you will. If you're of that persuasion, it transforms us. We become something completely different because of what God does. And the more that does that, the more it makes us want to do what is right before the Lord. And the more that happens, the more it changes the world around us in this dimension, this place. But somehow, what's crazy is if we could only see it, our spirits are also dimensionally, it's like they're here, but they're also in the heavenly, seated in heavenly places. For I am seated in heavenly places. And yet, in all of that, the Holy Spirit dwells within us here. So His Spirit is with our spirit, but we're dimensionally in two places. We know that in Revelation, it talks about a time when the skies will roll back like a scroll and we'll see everything for what it is. We'll see Him, we'll behold Him. And But this is why I'm telling you all this is because, remember we talked about the mid-heavens and where the wars are spiritually. But if we can understand this reality that we can live from the third heavens, I believe a lot of those things in between will change. Like, I'm not kidding. I have seen physical healings and miracles and things change before my own eyes because of the fact that that reality is happening. That's what I believe caused this person to back off and leave with his demons. This is what's caused demons to be casted out. This is what's caused people to get healed when they have this reality, this understanding of who they are, the understanding that God loves them and wants to change their lives. When they live with that reality, things change. If we hold on to, and I feel today, I want to tell you this, I feel that maybe for some of you listening, you might be holding on to certain theologies. I love to talk about that, but if you're living out of the reality like God doesn't do any of this stuff anymore, we have a book and we have the canonized Bible and that's all we need and we're sufficient, then I tell you, you're selling yourself short because God wants to work through you to see lives and others change and this is very much reality. And if you don't believe in the gifts for today, I'd love to talk about that. But God wants this for you. He wants to consecrate you. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and His power and His presence. He wants to work through you to transform others' lives like He is with you. And it starts with you coming into a relationship with Christ, new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is gone, the new has come. You are new now, and you need to live out of that reality that you are seated in heavenly places. And you're here in this world, but we're only passing through it. We are on a journey to, and when we die, we will be in the third heavens completely in our spirits. But the Lord talks about that we will have new bodies. Everything will be new, but that's happening. We are longing to be close with him, but for now we are on a journey, but we have the Holy Spirit living in us, at work within us, Christ's authority within you, the hope of glory. Amen and amen. And so I just feel there's maybe some of you listening today and you've not had experienced what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're wondering about that, what it looks like. Maybe you've never known or understood what it means to have that relationship and you want that. Well, I'd love to pray for you. And so we're going to do that now. All right. And then after that, I'm going to pray for some more of you. But basically it's simple is that when you come to profess in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And when you receive him as your Savior and as your friend and to live in your life, yes, you will receive the Holy Spirit in you. And so I want to pray for that now. So just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me a new life. I receive it today. I give you all of me. All of my old life. Come make me new. Come be my savior. Come save me from my sins. Come be my Lord and savior. And master. 
and friend. I receive you, Jesus. I receive your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come into my life and come fill me. Thank you, Lord, for a new life and for salvation. I receive it in Jesus' name. All right, now I'm going to pray for everyone else, including those who just received Jesus. By the way, welcome to the family. If you've just prayed that, you are now a part of the family, and you have now received Jesus into your life, and you are now born again, and angels in heaven are rejoicing for you. All right, but I want to pray for the rest of us, and I feel like in my spirit, or all of us, that now I feel in my spirit very much that we want to go away with the things that I talked about. I want to challenge all of you that this is possible for all of you. And so I want to pray for this, what we've been sharing, for that reality to be activated into your life. So we're going to do that now. So repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for changing me and adopting me and making me into your likeness. Thank you for transforming me taking me from my life that it was and making it into a new life. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for sanctification. Thank you for what you want to do with this word. Come and open my eyes and my heart and my spirit to this reality that I am seated in heavenly places. Show me what my spirit is doing. Show me who I am in you. That I may live out of this reality, both in heaven and on earth, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, I just ask you, Jesus, to give everyone the sense of this reality. I ask you for the fullness of this impartation to be released now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I activate your spirit. Right now, I call them to attention, into the reality. And I say, Lord, open their eyes in Jesus' name. Open the eyes of their spirits. Let it come alive. Awake thy glory. Awake, Holy Spirit. Come alive. Come, Holy Spirit, fill them with the reality of who they are in the Spirit, both in the heavenlies and in this dimension on earth as it is in heaven. Reveal it to them now in the name of Jesus. Let them go from here with your authority. The next time they experience these things in their lives, may they think about this reality. May they think about what the authority of Jesus does through them what they can do, and the atmospheres they can see changed and transformed by this reality. Lord, I ask you right now, I release that to them. I release that to everyone who's listening. In the name of Jesus, let that be imparted now in the name of Jesus. More of your presence, more, more of this reality. Fire, come awake, come alive right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More of this right now. More of this. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord. More of your glory. More of your presence. More of this reality. Open their eyes. Let their eyes behold your glory. Yes, Lord. Let that be the new reality. Let the darkness flee. Let the darkness flee in the name of Jesus. All darkness has to go. All darkness has to leave in the name of Jesus. By the very name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every and all. All yield, all bow to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's all I have time for today. But if that blessed you, feel free to send me a message. Feel free to drop some comments. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And we want any feedback you have, feel free to send it. Anything today meant anything to you that I was sharing, please feel free to contact me the story, the testimony, or the scriptures, or anything blessed you, or you are hungry to know more about this, I'd be happy to talk with you more in detail. If you want to set up a time to receive deliverance, or in healing, or ministry, be sure to contact me. I'd love to walk that through with you. 
But this has been another edition of King Voices Revealed. And I'm EJ, and I'm glad to have had the opportunity to share all this with you today. And I hope that blesses you. We'll look forward to hearing from you all next time. Until then, have a wonderful day. Blessings. This has concluded another episode of Kingdom Voices Revealed. Episode 7, Dimensional Glory. Our Heavenly Authority Through Transformation. Tune in same time on Wednesday next week to hear our next episode. We'll see you then. Until then, if you have been blessed in any way by this episode and enjoyed any of the content that you have just listened to through this teaching resource, be sure to check us out on Spotify where you can follow us. There you can subscribe to the rest of our podcast and enjoy many other episodes like this one. You can find this podcast on Spotify through the link to this episode. There on Spotify, you can subscribe by selecting the button Follow. My name is EJ and I'm your host on Kingdom Voices Revealed. It has been a pleasure, and as always, we'll catch you next time. Blessings.